This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. Today, I have with me my good friend, Stacy Juba. Hi, Stacy. How are you doing? Hi. <laughs> good to be back. <laughs> hey, I'm so glad that you're back. We are, uh, Stacy and I talk quite often, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this conversation is going to be very familiar between two friends, but I wanted to have you back on, Stacy, to talk as we go into the new year, the writers, you have a great um, time management course, a couple editing courses. You have lots of courses. You're like my idol on the person <laughs> who gets these courses done. But <laughs> before you. we talk about all the things that you have for writers to help writers, can you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and all the other things that you do? Uh, yeah. So I've been writing pretty much since third grade. So. <laughs> I had my first book published when I was 18, a young adult hockey novel named Face Off. And then I have a s- sequel to it called Off Size that I published, a couple of mystery novels, um, my storybook Valley chiclet series, Fooling Around with Cinderella and Prancing Around with Sleeping Beauty, um, young adult paranormal thriller, and even a children's picture book about flag etiquette, which my dad illustrated. So I've been kind of all over <laughs> the place. I just write whatever. I'm inspired to write. I worked for a newspaper for several years, which is where I met my husband, who was a sports writer at the time. And I have two kids. And I'm also a freelance developmental editor. And as you mentioned, the past few years, I've gotten into creating online courses. For I know writers. you do everything. It's unbelievable. And not only that, you like you write different genres, but you write different styles, like journalistic style and novel style are completely different. Right. That's awesome. To have developed yeah. that. <laughs> <It's kind laughs> <It's> of, like... <laughs> yeah, my style really evolved over the years. Like when I was, I started out writing mysteries, like in fifth grade. Okay, that's all I wrote was mysteries. And then I did the hockey book. And then I always said I would never work for a newspaper because I didn't like anyone telling me what to write. But then I wound up. Never say never. Newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I never anticipated getting into chiclet and writing in a kind of sassier funny kind of style. So that was a lot of fun. So it's fun to see where the right. Yeah, yes. And in, in the meantime, you also started editing and I just, I want to put out there that editing is not something that you can do just because you're a writer. You might be able to give an opinion on a book or maybe what somebody could do better or, you know, a direction they could take, but editing is a whole different animal. To actually give back a manuscript and be like, I am confident that these commas are where they should be and that (laughs) developmentally you should do this. (laughs) I I, I can't do that. I was doing some review, you know, sort of author reviews where you hand over each other's books. And I was just like, I have opinions on this book. I wish I was an editor so that I could tell you exactly what, like put words formal words to what I'm thinking you should do and and change in this book. (laughs) Yeah. I think it just kind of the confidence develops with the more clients you have. Because when I first started out, I was, you know, a little nervous about starting out. But then it just as they edited more and more books, I was seeing that so many writers were making the same mistakes. So it's almost like almost every book I write you see the same kinds of mistakes, both big issues and smaller issues. So yeah, it's interesting how it's the same issues like okay. kind of plague every probably because we only have the teaching ways, of you know? our third grade teacher <laughs> and and our our science projects yeah. was all of our <laughs> writing. At least that's what I remember. And then you know the high school papers, so you kind of know how to do your papers. But then when you go to fiction, I'm not sure that we're really taught how to develop a story you know, we're taught how to write a book review. Right. So when you're editing the books, is that what, like seeing those issues over and over and over again, is that what led you to create the book editing blueprint course? Yes. Yeah. Because as you're reading it, I think like an an editor, it's sort of a mix of knowing what those issues are and then instinct, like kind of, Mm. kind of learning to trust your instinct. So it's sort of like when I'm editing, I'm 
using like both sides of my brain kind of <laughs> working together. Yeah. And like, like you're saying, most people don't take a class, you know, in school on learning how to write fiction. I mean, if you're very, you're very lucky if you have a teacher that devotes any time to that, True. you know, because my own kids, every once in a while, they'll have an assignment where they write description of something, <laughs> but right. not, I don't think they really any short stories and everything they've written, I think it's been pretty much on their own time, not the school. So it's not something that's really taught unless you go out and, you know, seek it and, and take classes on exactly. it and learn about it as much as you can. So just seeing after reading like so many manuscripts, like, you know, hundreds of manuscripts and different genres and just seeing like all these patterns reoccur in all these different styles and different even levels, like, like a experienced author might still be doing something that a beginner author is doing you know Mm. they'll have mastered some areas you know maybe they're not doing like telling instead of showing anymore but they're still overusing certain words that they're not really aware of so it's it's just you'll see the same issues to different extents in all different levels of writers so then because editing is so expensive and there's many writers don't realize that it will probably take you multiple rounds of editing it's not like especially if you're a beginner writer you just most likely one round of editing isn't going to be enough for you you'll have to go back and forth a few times if you can afford it it's the other thing if you can afford it so I created the course as a stepping stone to hiring an editor to giving you like everything you should look at before hiring an editor and putting money into it so that you can train yourself to start thinking like an editor um, and try to anticipate some of those issues. Yeah, to try to clean them up. Let's go back. Like, because we're never taught really what a story is, because I can even think of, I think I had one creative writing class in high school. And I'm not sure that they ever really talked about like how a story is developed. And I think in the end, we ended up kind of writing anecdotes, like, or a description of a scene more than an actual, like a story needs a beginning, middle and an end. (laughs) Like I think especially the ending, like (laughs) a lot of times in high school, it's like, and they walked off into the sunset or, you know, and, or mom said no, or, you know, like it's not very well developed, but the teacher never goes into that. They're more worried about if you spelled things correctly, you know, or if they just don't like it, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) They don't really give me feedback on 30 (laughs) papers is probably a pain. So we don't have that that background, like we're talking about. And so the course, I mean, I've, I've gone through the course. When did I start this course? I think I've gone through it, like done it twice now, <laughs> like going through it for two different books because you just forget about it. So it's, it's going through like overusing words, like you said, character development, because we're never taught about that either. And especially as a new writer, your characters can be pretty cliche on what you've read or not really well developed. They're not right. very deep. They're kind of the same character. I don't know. How would you describe that? Like, like a flat character. Yeah. I used to be, when I used to submit my manuscripts like years ago when I was starting out. I would submit my manuscripts. I kept getting letters back from editors and agents saying that my characters, like my plot was good, my writing style was good, but my characters needed fleshing out. They were. Flat, what does that mean when you get that back? I think as a as a new writer, I can think back to all the things that remember when we used to have to query, we couldn't self-publish because you have been yeah. around for a few <laughs> decades. So I would query, and I think you you got yours published at 18. I was just querying and getting rejection. Yeah. Oh, I got rejected. Yeah, they, after would, that. they would say these things like flesh out and yeah. characters flat. And I didn't know what that meant. Did you know what that meant? Like, because nobody had ever told me. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I didn't know back then. I mean, it was something I had to work on and right now I can see it, you know, in manuscripts, but it's something that Figure it out. I think you just have to kind of develop an eye for over time, the more just from experience and, you know, people pointing it out to you and giving you suggestions. I think that's the other thing, you know, when you get a letter back that says, oh, your characters are flat need to be more well-rounded. Yeah. What does, what does that, that mean? mean? Is that like <laughs> how? <laughs> what does um, that mean? I might even say like, I started this one book, which I probably won't finish. And I won't say the, the name of it, but it's like 50 year old woman, high power career, divorced kids are twenties. And so th- they don't need her anymore. Decides to go to Paris. <laughs> like, you know, and he's 
cool. It's nice, but it's like, it's a very, it's a little cliche and that's about all you get from her. You know, that like these, maybe is it like yeah. surface level and she does a lot of, there's something missing from her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I like, I think one big question is like, why, why is, <laughs> why is the character want to go to Paris? Why, why there, right. why not? somewhere else or you know why hasn't she and then like what what her goal is like at the beginning of the book and how that changes by the end and you know and I think when a lot of times writers are writing about like one aspect Mm -hmm. of a character's life like maybe like you know somebody that works has like a high-powered job or something like that but what else is in there like, like, what are their other interests or relationships? I, I like to always just do a character chart, like before I start and mm-hmm. just ask myself a bunch of questions about this character, even answering in the character's point of view, just journaling and just trying to right. learn as much as you can about the character. Like really what, cause if you don't know what makes them tick, then your reader isn't going to understand why they're acting the way they are. And you don't necessarily have to put everything in the book. I mean, there might be something from their childhood that's pivotal and that you sh- that did impact them a lot, but there could be things from the childhood that you know and you're you know doesn't really right fit in the book. So you know you don't have to write down include everything that you're brainstorming. It's just go through the I think going through this brainstorming process and just really trying to figure out what does your character want, why haven't they gotten it, or why haven't they pursued it up to this point? Why are they you know anytime they react a certain way, why? Why, why they get mad at something another character says, why, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And all of this is kind of, is in your course is like trying to figure out that character. You have like a backstory, but the why a lot of things at times, (laughs) a lot of times I think is missing that. Why, why are they reacting like that? I remember getting those questions back from editors. Why would they act like that? And you, you kind of have like the backstory in your head, but you don't, or you just, you have, well, this happened to them. Okay. But why, or your, your biggest question of like, why haven't they pursued it already? Like, that's a big one to answer. Why is it this book at this moment? Right. If you can't answer that, they fall a little flat where it's just like, oh, just out of the blue, they decided to do this. Right. You know, then why? Like, there's still a why behind that. Something must have happened or they're seeking some sort of change. Do you think a lot of people, I was thinking this weekend, like we make up the first few pages of stories are sometimes a lot of backstory just to set up this like moment of action, <laughs> you know, to then yeah. get into the plot. Do you think a lot of newer writers I mean, you have to have background, right? So let me try to explain myself. But I feel like sometimes what all the background story to get to this moment, we we sort of force it almost. You know, we're forcing Mm -hmm. these moments in this person's life. And then we get to this. It's almost like that's really where the story is. For some reason, we go we we gloss over that just to get to like this one action moment or something. And then right. they meet the guy, you know, if it's a romance and then they live happily ever after or something. But the actual development of the character is in the backstory. Right. You know, and I find that with a lot of newer writers where it's like, well, they've already done that. Like, well, that's actually the story of them developing into this moment of change. Do I make any sense? <laughs> right. And I think it, I think it's tricky. Like you know, you have that question why. As a writer, you figure out all these why. But then it's tricky. It's like how do you incorporate that into the story without just telling, you know, without just dropping a ton of backstory and telling. Well, okay, this is why she's acting this way because when she was like sixteen right. years old, this happened, you know. Or I think it's just important to, you know, you don't have to tell everything on page one. We don't have to know all the why's on page one. You just find this place that's a hook or something that you could just draw the reader into the story. That's like a pivotal moment that, and then you have that first act to kind of develop this incident to, to what's going to, what's like, what's this inciting? Is it, what's the change that's going to help prob- them into some kind of change in the second act. And then, you know, backstory is important, but you don't want to just put it in all at once. I always recommend just parceling it mm-hmm. out in smaller 
bits and pieces. And then one thing a lot of writers need help doing, and I think this is something I needed help with when I was first starting out, as far as like fleshing out your characters, it's just incorporating that internal thought, like what is the character thinking? Mm. Um, a lot of like, for example, like dialogue scenes, a lot of times with newer writers, the dialogue scenes tend to be just 90% of it's dialogue and maybe a little setting or something, but we don't really get in, it's not really told through anyone's point of view. And I think that goes really hand in hand with fleshing out your character is really getting a handle on their point of view so that everything is seen through their eyes, you know, and that they have a distinctive voice and they see things a certain way. And when they're having a conversation with someone here and there, Mm -hmm. just intersperse like what they're thinking, you know, how they're reacting. And I think that's the big piece that's missing in a lot of, a lot of beginner writers books. It's just that, that, getting the hang of the, whether it's third person or first person, just really getting the hang of showing the reader, the character through their eyes and having everything seen through their eyes. And a lot of times they just see lots of dialogue or, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of description. And then somebody told me, I think it was Jeff Elkins, like if you read it out loud and they all sound the same. So like thinking of an audiobook version, will the listener know the difference on who's talking and a lot of times that when mm-hmm. you're beginning or even as you said like there there are things even advanced writers we're all going to have something that we struggle with right we can't be a hundred percent on everything but to to know like who your character is and then to speak like them to write how they should speak like that would really know you know your character inside and out and their point of view like a character the other thing I see too is that they say things directly as though humans do that <laughs> you know, we, yeah. you know, if it's somebody who is cold or let's say like a high tech a high exec you know executive really focused on career they might their personality might be more closed off they don't really share personal information and so for them to suddenly share personal information it's like that's very strange it has to be almost a pivotal moment in which they do that but going back to like your course and how it encourages you to brainstorm all that, all those things. I think that helps you then write from their point of view much better and in their voice much better so that the dialogue is interesting. Right. I think I have an example on the class. Like, I think it's something like if you walk by like a shop window or something, if three different mm-hmm. characters walk by, they're going to describe something in different ways. Like, I think my example was like in a like a, at the beach or something, you know, those touristy stuff. Like a teenage girl, you know, is going to describe it differently. You know, she's going to know if she's into fashion, she's going to know like the names of all, you know, the fashion set and the things that she would see in the window. Whereas, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's older might describe the scene differently. You know, with all the more <laughs> right. disapproving, like of all the teens and their crop tops and things. Like that, that she's going to describe it totally different than the teenager would. And then, you know, like a teenage boy who has, who doesn't know anything about fashion, if he's like looking for a gift for his, yeah. you know, girlfriend or something, he's going to be, be totally perplexed walking into the store, like what, what, you know, what to get, you know, he's not going to know the names of anything or what the, you know, so you just have to kind of put yourself in the character's shoes, even just try, just try writing just for fun, like pick mm-hmm. a few different characters and describe the same scene. Through, through their eyes, the way they would see it, because, you know, different ages, right. different backgrounds are going to describe things differently. You know, like if you go into a history museum or something, somebody who has a knowledge of history and they're going to really know all these details. Whereas like, if, um, right. you know, a kid going into it, like on a field trip, <laughs> it's going to describe exactly, it totally yeah. different than, than the, you know, the curator who works there. So you know, so you really just have to put yourself in this character's shoes. And, you know, if it was, if it's something that requires a lot of authentic details, we need to do the research to include those details that your character would know. But if your character wouldn't know those historical details, then don't include True. it because your character who's, wouldn't know that. And you're trying to basically be your character. So I think that's something that a lot of writers just have to wrap their heads around that it's not the author telling the story, it's the character telling the story. Oh, I think that's a good point. I think especially as we're newer, or we've been writing for a while, but we've never sought out 
a class or anything like that. Right. Yeah. You're writing from the character's point of view. That's really what makes a story excellent. You know how you have that gut feeling on the stories that are great and the stories that you're like, oh yeah, I read that, but I don't remember what it was about. <laughs> you know, is the <laughs> yeah. author knowing how to write not from their own point of view. Right. You might not agree with it, right. you know, with your character. There might be characters in your book whose viewpoint you're in and you totally don't agree. <laughs> Uh, like, like Lolita. Yeah. I don't think any of us agree yeah. with Lolita. You know, no. <laughs> I think we're all like, no. uh, gross. But it yeah. was written in such a way that, like, he almost garnered, a, like, there's a certain amount of sympathy for. I can't even remember his first name. I want to say Ray, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, the the main character, like, somehow you have enough sympathy that you keep reading because it doesn't. But it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are going to be like, yeah, I want to be friends with this guy. He's, he's right. like, no, actually. Um, and it makes you think of, you know, maybe there's other nice guys that are, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's a great example. Lolita is a great example of you don't have to write a character that everyone's going to agree with. And I do think there's, there's something about these days of we don't, create characters that are unlikable or like the, I mean, again, you have to have enough sympathy and enough likability in the character that the reader keeps reading, but that takes a lot of talent to keep reading something like Lolita because he's somebody that you don't agree with. So I guess that it too is like going into the voice right. and just that it's not just the nice Tanner phrase, but really you're so swept into this person's point of view that even as a reader, you're thinking, what is wrong with you? Like something's wrong with your brain, right? but you're inside <laughs> his brain. You almost have this sadistic, like need to know what is wrong with you. <laughs> you know, I need to know if you ever fix yourself or not. That's probably what it is as a reader. It's like, I need to know if you, if you get better. Yeah. It's something that you can relate to, like with, with the character, even their acting ways you wouldn't you know, you don't agree with, but there's something, the author did something that you can almost relate to, or you have a little understanding of why they right. might be the way they are and want to see how they're going, right. to, if they're going to change at all. So it is, it can be tricky when you're writing a character who's not that likable, but you need to make the reader sympathize with them somewhat. Right. If it's the protagonist or they're going to be in their head for a lot of the book, then they have to care about what yes. happens to them. You know, even though sometimes why, they might want to like people have like, why, why did you do that? Why are you, why are you doing that? <laughs> but there has to be something again, going back to the well-rounded characters, it's just going to be something that, you know, the author put in their story yeah. that, you know, some kind of redeem, redeeming quality or understanding. Yeah. Why the and way we were talking and, in my group about, you know, unlikable characters and we like gone with the wind. Scarlet's a really unlikable character. Like she's not a nice person. You know what I mean? And yet you have a lot of sympathy for her enough to keep reading a giant book, you know, and whether you agree with her or not, or that, you know, but <laughs> she, I mean, she runs through husbands, marries her sister's fiance. Like what a terrible thing to do. Treats the guy who actually loves her terribly. If nobody's read the book or read, read I mean, I assume I'm not doing any spoilers here for anyone who wants to. And she doesn't even like, she's so frustrating, <laughs> you know, like she comes to realize stuff at the like last right. page of this thousand page novel, but there's enough in there that like, from the point of view of Scarlett, you're just like, girl, grow up. <laughs> you just, oh my gosh. So, you know, it is possible yeah. to write, you know, people that you <laughs> probably wouldn't be friends with in real life, but who's you know, you would read a book about, I guess. <laughs> it's possible to do that. So what, uh, we talked about characters, right. what do you see about, <laughs> is there anything that happens over and over again with plot with, with writers that you put in the book editing blueprint course? Yeah. Um, some writers, just the plot, like this is when I was first starting out, this is something I saw a lot in letters hmm. from agents and editors, like the plot's too yeah. slight. Which I again, I, I always wonder what the heck does that mean? The plot's too slight, mm. <laughs> but it basically means that there's just not enough happening. So for a lot of writers, it's just you know it's just not 
story right. isn't like building and gaining momentum. It's just kind of flat, like this string of episodes where it's not really building to this climax. Yeah, it's like telling what happened, right? Yeah, it's like telling about their, you know, their daily lives or different things, but the mm-hmm. there isn't like this big central plot that's driving it forward so this doesn't have that suspense which you know if it's not a suspense novel it's right just, but you're you know, like doesn't have will to be they that get kind together of or like what's going to keep them apart or you know, the the line or anything to, like that you know yes exactly <laughs> right yeah 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 there has to be some level of suspense to keep reading or things have to get worse I mean I think that we hard can get, for them be, be really yeah. fond of our characters and it's hard to make things hard for them but you have to make things hard for them and put them in these give them this like black moment and you know how are they going to overcome it and, mm-hmm. and so many beginner manuscripts I read are just like lacking a climax or the climax is just you know it's over in 10 pages and you know it really needs to be like right. depending how long the book is it really needs to be 70 pages or it just needs to be a yes, lot more to it. Yes, they get really easily. Because I, w- I wonder if easily, we don't so. really understand what we want to tell. Like, and that's, it's kind of like goes along with jamming in a bunch of backstories. Like what, right. what story do you want to tell? So if you're adding in a mystery and a romance and coming, you know, to maturity, coming of age sort of thing. And like all that in one book, then yeah, all of it needs to be, re- each one needs to be resolved and you only have so many pages. Plus you have to develop your character and the setting, you know? And so of course things, I mean, over the summer, I read one where it got resolved within like two pages right? and yet it had been introduced. You're just like, well, it's gotta be more than that. Like, but I think that the question is, what story do you want to tell? You can't tell everything. Right. And I think it goes back to like those short stories in high school. We're mostly writing anecdotes of like, this is what happened, but there's no real climax to it. It's like, how was your day? Your mom asks and you say, this is what happened. And you're like, cool. <laughs> there's nothing like it's nothing to write home about you know as my grandpa used to say um so that plot that climax I don't know it's right. like we're trying to jam a whole person's life into 90,000 words yeah I always say like for every scene you write what happened in that scene and if and I yeah. see a lot of scenes where nothing happens it's just the character thought reflected on things for three pages you know that's nothing happened in that scene. So that's not a scene that's like give me part of a scene, but you know, you need something to actually happen that either in action that either advances the plot or advances like the characterization and just having the character think or reflect on things is not a scene. And I think that's, that's, (laughs) that, that can be hard for a lot of new writers because their whole book is might be like that where it's just, a lot of right. telling of what the character is thinking or, or they describe a lot of things sort of like off camera. Like there'll be a, you know, the, instead of showing like a scene in dialogue mm-hmm. and with like a conflict scene or where they're talking about something important that has to be resolved, they'll just sum it up like in, in like the character's thoughts. So last right. night we had this big meeting and this happened, everybody was upset. And, you know, that those are the scenes you want to show. So, you know, so it, just somebody it actually happened talking about yeah, something that I, happened or thinking about something that happened isn't yes the same as it actually happening so I think, yeah so every scene like what what happened you know if, if nothing happened then you gotta go back to that and make it an actual scene yes you know? I don't know what you think about this but I was talking to somebody the other I think it was Tiffany Harrison Clark possibly about how a lot of those things are because she wrote a book from the point of view of two people. So yeah, I think it was her. And she took, she ended up taking one of those point of views out. And then I asked her, but do you think you could have written the book that you wrote without having written his point of view? And I think it comes down to, and she said, no, of course I understood him to the point where I could really show who he was through her point of view and, you know, really Mm -hmm. still engage the reader. And I was thinking, a lot of what we write as like the internal thoughts or the background or the description is really for us. But as beginner writers, we try to put it into the book to kind of add words to the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think a lot of that you take out, you almost needed to write it as an author, especially beginner one. It's like you're brainstorming, right? 
like, right. oh, now I know how, how they feel about the meeting that, you know, everything exploded, but now I need to write that scene, understanding like where the character is in that. Yeah. But I think, and I think that's the, that's the missing step yeah. is that, well, I mean, your, your rough job doesn't have to be perfect. You can just get all that down. But the problem is that a lot of writers will take that draft because they don't know what to do next with it. And then they'll spend hundreds of dollars oh, on an yes. editor and then on that really rough draft, you know, and then they, they don't realize that, you know, it just doesn't need a little bit of cleaning up here and there you know, then they get this long letter back with all of these things, like all of that needs to be cut down. It needs to be, you know, you're telling it all, you need to show it more and you don't have enough plot points. And that can be really discouraging when you've just spent hundreds of dollars on this edit. So I think that's like what the missing step is, is that, yes, you do need to write that draft, that messy draft where you put all this stuff into it, but you need to know how to self-edit that draft and think like an editor so that you're not paying hundreds of dollars for someone to tell you all these things that you could learn how to, how to pick up on yourself. I mean, the editor is important. It's, I, you know, you definitely do need to hire right. an editor at some point, but you don't want to hire one too soon unless you can afford it. And at you that have point, a lot they're almost like, you can afford it. And you're right, they're almost limited. your book coach at that point. They're not really an editor, but I think that's what right. you, what's missing from that, right? Your, you know, shitty first draft, messy verse, first draft. What's missing from that quote is, and then go back and clean it up and take everything out yeah. and cut it down by half. You know, I mean, I remember the first time I sent my first book to an editor, she was like, take out 35,000 words and you'll have to choose which ones. And she was right. But that was just like, how do I even do that? You know? So what's great about this course is that you can do it at your own pace and you can realize really what's wrong with it well before you spend that money to send to an editor. And the other problem these days with if you don't have an editor, A, I, I highly recommend Stacy. But you know, after you go through her course, <laughs> after you clean up your <laughs> manuscript. But a lot of editors, you don't know maybe their background or they just say, or you want, you know, you can't afford a really good one. So with lots of credentials. So they might just say, yeah, okay, it's a good enough story. Fix up some commas because they're like several different kinds of editors out there, developmental editor. Well, you didn't pay me to developmental edit it. You know, you just paid me to get the commas in there. And so you end up self-publishing a book that could have been better. And who knows, maybe you go through and write five more books the same way until somebody finally tells you, hey, like nothing ever happens in your book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I've had clients like that where they have self-published a few books where they just hired copy editors and then they got, you know, negative reviews on Amazon and then they realize there's something you know, I'm not, you know, there's something right. I'm not doing and right, <laughs> you know, and then, and then they go back and like, they redo all their old books. And that's tough because um, those reviews are there. So, you can't, you can't yeah. change those. I mean, you can put right. in a comment of like, I fixed it, but it would be so much easier or better to go through your course first <laughs> and to find those things. Cause again, we'll go back <laughs> to none of us are really taught any of this. We have a talent at writing like that. That's your passion. That's your talent. But everyone needs to develop their talent and everyone needs to, you know, get better and better at it. We're, we can't know everything at 15. I'm sure most of us started writing stories or poems or whatever at 15. And now that we're in our other decades, we should be further along. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes I wish I had been further along before. <laughs> but I want to talk also about how we fit all of this into our time of our day because you are like my idol in time management in organization <laughs> because we talk about this all the time <laughs> um you should see my office right now it's horrendous um you created this last year the time management blueprint for writers and the tagline i love is transform your life and finish your book and i think you could put comma cat at the end of that <laughs> with an exclamation of it um so could you tell us about what made you create this course and like, how is this going to help us time management as writers? I need some of this. So I created it. I created an early version of it several years ago where I used to teach like a much smaller version of it to different like Yahoo. Remember the Yahoo writing groups, like through just yes. <laughs> a lot of romance writers in America's subgroups, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And I had come up with that idea because like when my 
daughter was six years old. She was diagnosed with type one diabetes and it, like I had, she had just like entered kindergarten. So I was planning on like, you know, I joined a gym. I was going to finally have time to, it's a full, yeah, it was full day kindergarten for her, a half day for my older daughter, but it was full day for her. So I was going to have all this time to work on my books and my freelancing. And then, you know, it, then in December, we, she was diagnosed with diabetes and just everything changed. I mean, like yeah. I just dropped my book for right. a while. It was just this life-changing thing where I had to learn so much and switch doctors and Right. Learn how to do shots, learn about insulin pumps and all the technology, join all these Facebook communities. So that's like all I did for several months was just learn all of that. Um, and then once we kind of got settled with everything, probably about six months later, you know, she was finally on an insulin pump. I mean, all I did was like I listened to podcasts in the car about diabetes on the way when, when I was driving. It's like <laughs> I, that's all I did. Right. <laughs> it's it life changing. It's life changing. It's, yeah. It's a big deal. And, but there did reach a point where I was, I just wanted to go back to some normalcy, you know, for mm-hmm. her too. So she realized, okay, this was a big thing, but now we've got a handle on it and it doesn't have to hold you back. And my, you know, your whole life doesn't have to revolve around it. And my whole life shouldn't revolve around it. Right. But it was, how am I going to make time to just fit in everything I want to do? Sure. Because, you know, it did still take a lot of time. We had to like measure all her food and from the carbs and I wake up in the middle of the night, every night to check her blood sugar. So it's just so, you know, there's just yeah. so many things and it just kind of realized like, okay, I, I need a system because I, I want to go back to writing, but I also want to, you know, need to make some immediate money, yeah. <laughs> you know, like with my, with my freelance writing. And I wanted to, um, this was around the time I started editing, you know, I wanted to launch that. Right. And I realized that the more stressed I was, this was another big thing, mm. the more stressed I was, the more lousy I felt I'd be really grouchy you know if I was if I didn't take time to myself right. just to kind of in writing didn't count because that was even though I love to write that's still sort of like a like work because I'm right. not doing it for just for for me for fun I was doing it to I was in the middle of my fooling around with Cinderella books and this all happened you know and I wanted to get back into it and I just um so that's kind of work it's not like relaxing yes. <laughs> I mean I enjoy, I enjoy it you know what I mean I enjoy it but sitting hunched over, you know, over a computer and everything. It's not like downtime. Exactly. So I needed to find some downtime, like where I wasn't on a computer and, you know, I wasn't listening to diabetes <laughs> podcasts and I wasn't, wasn't like, like writing a freelance article or anything. For you or yeah. just quiet. <laughs> right. <laughs> balance. So I, need, I needed to find balance. So I just kind of went on this sort of whole, you know, quest, I guess, where I just was reading a lot about time management and reading a lot about yeah. balance. And I sort of have a holistic background to begin with. Like I'm trained in Reiki, a form of, you know, hands-on. So you knew you needed it. That was a, yeah, yeah, I knew I needed some mess. Yeah. So <laughs> I knew I needed it. I lack of sleep. And I was like, I can't keep going on like this, you know? Um, so I just really just learned a lot and absorbed a lot and tried different things. And then I was able to start my editing, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the first thing I started. And then I went back and I finished fooling around with Cinderella. And that was a sort of triumph for me, like writing something funny and fun after all this had happened. Yeah. In the midst of stress, Um, like being funny is hard. yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then I just, I had been teaching another class for trying to think what the other class was. I think some kind of, I think it was an editing class, like a much smaller version mm-hmm. of book editing blueprint. And so then I, they asked me if I had any other classes. And then I was said, you know what? I'm thinking about doing this time management <laughs> I just class, learned how so. to manage my and, time. Would you <laughs> like to learn as well? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to know how I did it? Yeah. So, and then people said they really enjoyed it. Cause I think my, my sort of the way I perceive things that work for me was like, I broke it up into all these different categories, like electronic clutter like how could I get a handle like on you know my email because I always yeah. felt like change my email and you know when I went on the computer my files my computer files were kind of like a mess and you know how do I like you yeah. know I have this limited time each day because I want to have time for my kids I want to have time to write I want to have time for my clients and freelancing right. I want to have time to unwind and relax yeah. so I'm gonna make it count <laughs> you know when I go on my computer I don't want like to be, be spending like you know, a lot longer than I intended an email. I don't want to be like hunting for files. So there was like the electronic clutter and then, you know, like how mm. what things could I kind of automate, like, you know, because I was also promoting books. I had published books I was promoting. Like, how can I, 
you know, not always be on Instagram or Twitter. I don't think Instagram was thing back then, but like Facebook and Twitter, how can I, how can I get these, have a social media presence, but not always be yeah, on there, media. you know, like how can I get things scheduled? Ahead right. That's of time? only gotten worse um, in the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Cause now that, yeah. And then, um, and then like the external clutter, like I really want to, I really needed to come up with systems to like, just have the house more organized, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I think I started with like the medical cabinet because after I, first of all, I just had like these little bins, like these drawers, you know, yep. these little plastic bins with all the, you know, medical supplies, the test strips and all this. And then when we started getting insulin pump and everything, we were just bursting out of it. So I had to get like this cabinet to put all my medical supplies in. What I love and, um, about that is like, yeah, it that, doesn't affect your writing, but it affects your stress level, especially I think it's as stress level. Yeah. Possibly as females. I mean, I'm not a male, so I don't know, but I think moms are, and especially writers, a lot of times we're working at home. So the home is the office. And so every time you walk past that medical cabinet, that's so disorganized and <laughs> oh, I have to do that, you know, like I don't know about you, but I feel pulled in multiple directions of all the things I want to get done. And so your course isn't just about the writing. It's like about being able, I think probably from your holistic background, like being able to sit down and like the mind clutter is gone. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I think mind clutter is like, yeah. Cause when you walk by that cabinet, it's like, I need to fix that. It just takes up this precious space in your mind and it's distracting and it, in my book, Dark Before Dawn, which is like about a teenage psychic, you know, she's really, she's really, you know, in tune with her thoughts and everything. I talk about how like external clutter breeds mm. like internal clutter and it just affects your mood and you just can't think. And, and you know, we're creative. We, we really need to be able to get in that writing zone. And when you've got all these things on your mind that you're walking by and you're like, oh, I got to do that. I got to do that. You need to find a way to yes keep track of all that even if you even if I don't have time to do the medical cabinet right now if I can write it down somewhere like okay on my list here this is something I need to do just to get it out of my mind like I know I'm going to deal with it yeah so then there was it so the external clutter was a big thing because as I was organizing all our diabetes supplies and our food and all that I started organizing (laughs) everything that was bugging me everything that was bugging me I just went on a kick you know (laughs) and you know and then the other with like the let's see the internal clutter the external clutter um mm. and then like the planning uh, just being able to just feel like the plan like what your priorities because you can't do everything so for like for a while my priority right. was finishing blooming around with cinderella and i okay. had to come up with like a schedule for a writing schedule you know and then i'd like to kind of focus on one big project at a time you know and then later i think that's healthier yeah i mean if you can, like, you know, like that was my, I just really wanted to finish this book, but you know, I did that. And then I focused on the launch. And then mm. like, after that, I think I focused on going my editing business. And then, right. you know, I, I focused on writing the sequel to um, face off, like offsides. And then I focused on book editing, blueprint, creating that. So it's just, I tend to have like one, one big project where I really just that's where I put all my energy for right. a certain amount of time. You know, I might spend like a little, you know, here and there writing or something like that if I'm working on a class. But I just like the, if that, I find that works better for me, where right. I'm just kind of focusing, almost like sprinting on one big project to try to get, to it, get done, it done. Yeah. To get it done and then get that done and then focus on the next goal. Right. And you know? I mean, in your time management blueprint course, like whatever your personality is, I think the biggest point is to have it organized, to write it down, to have like that, especially once you're, if you have another job, if you have kids, if you have a spouse, if you have other obligations, maybe taking care of a parent or whatever it is, if you don't block off the time, it doesn't get done, you know? So understanding if you have five books that you're working on, that's how you work. Well, you might need to know like what day you're working on that book or whatever, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. That's crazy. But like, this goes along with almost, you know, all the scientific data is like, if you organize yourself and if you know what you're doing, if you write it down, it's going to get done instead of feeling like you're crazy. Like I feel like sometimes, <laughs> like every time there's a big life change or even like a slight shift in my our life, I have to go back to like, okay, let's write it down. Where's my agenda again? 
go back to <laughs> like my um, <laughs> my go-to personality is I think chaotic and I have to bring it back. <laughs> so I actually have your time <laughs> management blueprint for writers. I'm still on the email and the electronic clutter. And I, in fact, yesterday I opened it up again because I was like, I keep downloading all these pictures and I don't put them into the, <laughs> the, the folder it's supposed to be and then I can't find it. I pretty yeah. sure I learned that I was supposed to do this, you know, so I have, yeah. I have to keep going back. <laughs> and I keep saying, you, you don't have to go through the course on what yeah, you can go, because everybody has different, you know, if your electronic clutter isn't bothering you that much, but you like your closets are really bothering you, maybe you start with that module first. Or if you just really, your goal is you really need to get in a writing routine and yeah, your other, you know, you could, your email could use some work, your everything else could use some work. But writing, your yeah. first priority is I really want to get into this writing routine, right. then start right. with that section you know and then kind of focus on what you need right. first and then you can kind of you know like it's that one project at a time if that's your goal that you really want to focus on first and get into the writing routine go to that because I have all kinds of suggestions on how to block out writing time and how to um, make the most of your writing sessions you know then once you have a handle on that and we go through the other another module to tackle something else to see if you can exactly. if there's something yeah, that you can help sort you. of bounce around. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you you really you interviewed different people. You looked around, you asked around, you know, you it's not just Stacy telling you one thing. You kind of you do this whole course on like why why it's better for you, your background on why you you did it and why you're suggesting the things you're suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's a great course. And actually you have it on sale right now, correct? Through yes, New Year's? I, through New Year's, I have it on sale like, for 50% off. Be like a, it's a, like steal, a coupon, coupon code. <laughs> so we'll put that in the show notes because as the New Year's rolls around, obviously we're all going <laughs> to go back to trying out schedules again, right? I have like, <laughs> I'm looking at both of my agendas. I actually have my 2022 agenda already, which I usually <laughs> forget to buy. So, you know, I'm ahead of the game this year. <laughs> um, but before we go, you also have, I want people to check the show notes, to get on Stacey's newsletter if you're not on her newsletter, because A, you'll find out more information. She has so much, so much editing advice. She has so many blog posts that you can go and learn a lot about editing your book, about writing your book. She has lots of interviews with authors, but you also have a really fun course coming out the Oracle Cards course that you'll only, you know, you'll be the first to find out if you're on her newsletter. I can't seem to talk. If you're on her newsletter, you'll be one of the first to find out. But can you give us a, like a little taste yeah. of what that one might be? Yeah, that was the fun. That was like, I gave your, your, um, right. Your writing community got like a little yeah, we got a sneak peek of it. Yeah. They gave me feedback, which I used to edit my course. So, you know. We're awesome like that. So, uh, <laughs> you're awesome. Yeah. But it's on using Oracle cards and tarot cards, both to help you like personally, you know, like to find the motivation to write or overcome like imposter syndrome and, you know, those psychological right. issues that could, you know, hamper you with writing, but also ways you can use them to, you know, help you develop yeah. the plot in your book, to develop your characters, just to brainstorm, be creative. And, um, yeah. get ideas, just to be creative, to really access your inner creativity, you know, and just see where it takes yeah. you. So I'm excited about that because it's very different from anything I've taught before, but it's more, you know, like with the editing classes and the time management, it's really, you know, on the mm-hmm. logical side and, you know, all these things you really need to do. Whereas this is just a way of, you know, have some journaling in it and how to really access that. Yeah. It was really side. fun. It was interesting yeah. because it's, some I think some of them were like, I don't understand what we're going to do in this course. And then like, that was so much fun. Can she come back? <laughs> it's I think we, we because it's some it's our job to write, you know, anything that becomes your job, even if it's your passion, can sometimes feel a bit like you're plodding forward, you know, like it's heavy, you know, like you're wearing these iron boots. And just to be able to give yourself permission to be just in the creative side, just in that fun side is like, it's really really great. You'd think that we would do that all the time, but in the end, you have to get the book finished. You have to get plot points, you know, you have to get all this yeah. stuff and that can feel like, well, but to get back <laughs> to the creativity is really fun. So you're definitely going to want to look out for that as well. So the number one thing that you all have to do is go down and sign up for her newsletter. And then I would suggest you get the time management blueprint 
for writers course. You have the book editing blueprint. It's like a tongue twister, and then you are going to come out with a light version if people want to check out more just copy editing, remembering the commas and things like that. But again, I think that they should get on your newsletter because they'll get all the information, right? And if they take, um, I have a free five-day line editing course, which you can put the link in the show notes, but if you sign up for that, then you'll be on my mailing list. And then it's, yeah, you just have like five days of I'll send you line editing tips. Um, Mm -hmm. And then just like an interactive quiz you can take to kind of practice (laughs) what you learn. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Stacey, for coming on. (laughs) I always enjoy talking with you. No, same here. Thank you. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.